Time marches on and leaves behind those who are not equipped for tomorrow. We cannot predict what will happen in the future, but we at Regent University aim to prepare you for it. With world-class professors in over 150 programs, the opportunities to find success in your field are many. So don't let tomorrow pass you by. The journey to your brightest future begins here. Visit regent.edu slash learn more. Well, welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. As we head into hour two of our daily three-hour tour, it is a delight to welcome back my old friend and one of our great American, one of America's great teachers, Andy McCarthy. Andrew C. McCarthy is, of course, a senior fellow at the National Review Institute and a contributing editor at NR, as well as former federal prosecutor. Andy, welcome back. Seth, always a pleasure. I I just was thinking how long we've known each other. You are a good friend, and it's nice to hear your voice. We don't speak often enough. My fault. Amen. Uh, um, Not not that you're fault, Mark. (laughs) (laughs) Well, my fault for moving away from you. I am moving out west. I think Alexis de Tocqueville, Andy, uh, could have never been more right than he was writing in the 19th century as he did, that there's hardly any political question in the United States that sooner or later doesn't turn into a judicial question (laughs) and uh nothing more true of that of the time right now than that statement i was hoping you might just chat with me a little bit and for the audience as well where you see things now from the legal standpoint as to the election results what the trump campaign and their attorneys are doing what you think they are able to do, what they might not be able to do, just the status of all of this. And I know there's various states and there's different claims in various states, but what's your overarching view of where things are now and how they look? Seth, I think the first point you made is the is the salient one in that uh, things tend to become legal questions, Mm -hmm. and we get kind of riveted to um, the legal complications, and in order to get our heads wrapped around them, we have to kind of look at them in a vacuum. Otherwise, you know, there's too many moving parts, especially for people who are non-lawyers. It's not easy to grasp. Especially when they're Um, separate legal teams, right? Yeah, Yeah, right, right, right. 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 But 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 the more important thing, I think, from like a real life perspective is that we look at legal questions in a vacuum, but they don't arise in a vacuum. Okay. They, they come up uh, in circumstances where they have to compete with other interests. Mm-hmm. And I think the overarching point here is we're at the point, I think there's probably a period of time right after the election and it can become a much more narrow period of time when, like in this election, it took a week to get a winner. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's a period of time where the most important thing is to get the election right and as close to right as possible. Uh-huh. And then in our system, um, at a certain point, and we're probably uh, in that phase right now, we get a shift where the most important imperative for the country is to have a president up and running and ready to go on January 20th to defend uh, American interests. So the way our statutory structure works after elections is on January 8th this year, according to the way the formula works, 
there's what's known as the federal safe harbor, which means basically all these state litigation disputes and other disputes have to be settled because no one state can hold up the rest of the country from picking a president and, and getting a president um, up and running. Okay. So on December 8th, uh, if they've certified under law that existed before election day, then that's final as far as the uh, as far as the federal government's concerned. Now, there's uh, there's some uh, theorizing that you can extend December eighth to December fourteenth, which is the day that the electoral college meets and the uh-huh. electors vote, mm-hmm. because there's nothing actionable in the law that could could um, that says that if you don't have this done by December eighth. Uh, then you lose the the safe harbor. There's okay. nothing that says that. So, you know, a, a theoretically, probably, you can take it to there. Yeah, yeah. But December 14th, realistically, uh, is the end of it um, because at that point, a state has to risk losing its electoral votes mm-hmm. um, and, and forfeiting uh, its participation in the in the picking of the president. Mm-hmm. So, the thing is. With these uh, with these lawsuits, you know they're now in the teeth of the time when you can already see that the country is transitioning to the transition. Mm-hmm. You know the the whole idea of getting the next government up and running. And I'm sympathetic to the lawyers, even though I haven't. I don't think they've done uh, a great job in many instances because this is a litigation on a on a timeline that doesn't exist in normal litigation. I mean, right. It's hard to prove fraud, and yet they really have to prove it sometime between, you know, November 9th and December 8th, right. um, which is a, that's a tall order. Yep. So, you know, it, it, it's it's very tough for them to do. Uh, on the other hand, you know, they, they the public claims that they've been making, and I, I've I would rather stick with Trump's own. Sure. Yeah, I, I would point. too. I, I would too. You know, no, I Sidney would too. Powell and, and Lynn Wood are off doing their own. Yeah, and let's stick with the we'll Trump team. Yeah, works. I'm with you. Yeah. I think the problem they've had all along, Seth, is that there's been a, a mismatch between the extravagance of what they say publicly in terms of what they uh, believe happened and are in a position to prove, and then the much more modest things that they have said in courtrooms. Right, right. So, so that, for example, in Pennsylvania, um, you know, they filed a big lawsuit, uh, and they, there was a lot of publicity attendant to the filing. Uh, and at the, and then, like, very shortly after they filed it, they pulled the fraud cap mm-hmm. out of it mm-hmm. and end up assuring the judge who's presiding that this is not a fraud case and they're not alleging fraud. And then when they realize they're going down in flames and, and it's beyond the 11th hour, then they say, gee, we better put the fraud counts back because if we don't, we don't have enough left in the case. Even if we, you know, even if they prevailed on this kind of minor point about whether, you know, various counties in Pennsylvania should have called voters who had defective ballots to give them a chance to correct them. Mm-hmm. There was no more than about, you know, no more than 10,000 votes that that affected. Okay. And they were eighty thousand behind, yeah. so that wasn't going to wasn't going to do it for them. Right. And then in in, in uh, Michigan, that they they did something that was similar, except I think worse, which is again with great fanfare, 
They filed a big federal lawsuit. And then a week later, the judge threatened to throw the lawsuit out because they hadn't prosecuted it in the sense they hadn't even served the Secretary of State of of, uh, Michigan. Mm -hmm. And when they were asked about it, they said, well, you know, with COVID-19, we didn't know how to get her served. I mean, really? You couldn't get the Secretary of State served? Sure. And the thing was, they they weren't anxious to proceed with the lawsuit Mm -hmm. uh, and actually dropped it, you know, the following day or two days later. So the thing is, you know, they're out publicly saying, we just need to get into a courtroom where we can prove all this. But when they're in courtrooms, they don't try to prove that. That's what's maddening, right? That's what's maddening. And and, and I know you get the correspondence that I'm probably getting, too. So you see what was alleged in Michigan, I guess, yesterday. And you have these seemingly very credible witnesses talking about what looks like a lot of votes that were played around with. And 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 people wonder, well, why isn't that? In the courtroom, or why isn't that a triable issue in 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 the courtroom? And it's interesting because the president's lead counsel, I guess Giuliani, he is not making these cases in the courtroom. Why is that? Uh, I think my assessment of it is that they they're not sure that this is going to hold up in a courtroom uh-huh. in in a way that. Um, you know, it's one thing for uh, yesterday's a little bit different stuff because they actually were in a legislative hearing. OK, yeah, which was somewhat adversarial. Sure. The thing that they did in Pennsylvania last week was just a display. I mean, right. that was that was not it, it keeps being called a hearing. Right. It's not a hearing. Uh, in some of the press. Yeah, it wasn't a hearing. No, there's no cross exam. No, no one cross exam. No, right. no right. right. So you're not going to prove it that way. And, you know, the, I think the, the best uh, gauge of this is. Barr comes out yesterday. Obviously, Barr doesn't want Biden to be president. Right. Um, and Barr's taking a lot of bullets. For, for the, yeah. No, I was saying to the um, audience that it's turned on him. I said, you know, five months ago he was our hero. You know, we yeah, got to right. slow down but, on but, these slow down on these one eighties a little bit. You know. Yeah, but it was only a month ago that he was taking a lot of flack for turning U.S. attorneys across the country loose to look at substantial. Uh, evidence of, of any fraud. And taking on Wolf Blitzer on mail-in voting. I have to do a break. Do you have time for one more or do you have to run? Yeah, of course. Uh, great. i got to take a break here because um, I want to pick up on the on everything William Barr said yesterday. He said a lot with Andrew McCarthy, Andrew C. McCarthy. He is, of course, the um, senior fellow at the National Review Institute and former federal prosecutor and a contributing editor at National Review. We'll be right back. Show Andy McCarthy is our guest. Andrew C. McCarthy, senior fellow at the National Review Institute, former federal prosecutor. Andy, I wanted to talk to you about some of the things Barr said and William Barr said and did yesterday. Before I do, just one last question, if I can, on on uh, the, the 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 various legal claims of of fraud, if I might. So, one of the things that I would love to hear you out on is the difference between what you can allege and what you can prove as a lawyer, because we are seeing quite a lot of strong allegations. And it's a distinction that I think is important because there's a big distinction and especially what they are trying to attempt on the Trump campaign, isn't it? Yeah. And, and Seth, this is part of the reason why I thought it was a little bit strange for people to go crazy over what Barr 
said, which okay. we're going to talk about sure. shortly, because standard. Right. Um, so, you know, obviously, if they hadn't been able to prove civil fraud by now, um, the, the thought that they were going to make any criminal fraud cases was was uh, highly, highly unlikely, just given the more demanding standard of proof. And this goes to the point of, um, as a number of the judges who've ruled on this stuff have said, um, you know, allegations have to be backed up by hard, compelling evidence. And that doesn't mean, you know, somebody sees something that they think might be an impropriety. That doesn't get you there. Mm -hmm. You know, you have to you have to actually have admissible evidence of hard fraud that would have made a difference in the outcome of the election, which is a fairly demanding standard. And there has to be a commensurate measure between the harm that you're alleging and the relief that you seek. Mm -hmm. So, for example, as in, like in Pennsylvania, if you go in with three voters or two voters whose votes should have been counted and weren't, um, then the remedy for that is to count their votes. The remedy is not to cancel out the vote. That's a great explanation. People that's so a that very, so that yeah, repeat. that's a very clear explanation. Okay, right. You have to have redressability. Right. 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 Exactly. Okay, good. So take us to the bar, what Barr said and did yesterday. First on fraud, I, I guess you, you started there, and then Durham, if you don't mind. Yeah, well, on the fraud point, and I think the Justice Department took pains last night to, to clarify right. that they're still looking at this. It's not like it's a closed uh, investigation. But I think given all the uh, noise that's out there, uh, they wanted it to be clear, number one, that they have looked at this. You know, the president said they were missing in action over the weekend, which, again, was a strange thing to say given the flack that Barr took for, uh, you know, telling U.S. Send, attorneys. Sending U.S. attorneys, yeah, right, right. Um, so they are looking at it, and they, what he basically says is we've run a lot of this stuff down, and I don't think they're saying that there's no fraud. What they're saying is that it's not enough to change the outcome of the election. There's always a certain low thrum of fraud in every big election. Mm -hmm. You know, elections are like trials in the sense that, uh, um, you know, you're not entitled to – you're entitled to a fair one, not a perfect one. Right. Uh, there aren't any perfect right. elections. Right. So there's a certain amount of stuff truth isn't even on. the essence of a trial, right? When you think about it, when you think about the no, exclusionary it's, it's, rule, the, I, I, it drives me crazy when people say, "Well, the truth will out in court." No, 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 it won't. <laughs> no, yeah, it no, won't. Not true. with it's, exclusionary it's rules and such. No, it won't. It's certainly not in a criminal case. Right. The right. test is can the government meet its burden of proof? Right. It's not a search for right. the truth. Right. Um, but you know, I, I think from Barr's perspective, what he wanted made clear is they are looking at this. Uh, they haven't found anything that would make a difference in the election. They haven't found any evidence of widespread systematic fraud. And while he didn't mention the names of uh, Sidney Powell and Lynn Wood, he did say that they had looked at this uh, allegation of, of systemic cyber fraud right. in the uh, in the software of the, the voting machines, and, and they're not able to substantiate that. Right. So I think he wanted it. He wanted, given the crazy allegations that are out there, he wanted to make sure that people knew that uh, no, the Justice Department is on the case, and they, the reason you haven't heard from them is they haven't found anything. And generally, the Justice Department doesn't speak until they're ready to charge people. Sure, sure. Durham, is this big news? 
Well, I think it's what he's doing is he's trying to erect a um, a level of protection around that investigation that's similar to what Mueller had in the uh, Trump Russia investigation. Strictly speaking, uh, Durham cannot be a special counsel because the, the regs require that a special counsel be a lawyer from outside the government, uh-huh. which, if you think about it, is common sense, because the only time you need a special counsel is when there's a conflict that's so profound the Justice Department can't investigate it in the normal course. Otherwise, right. there, there's no reason to get a special counsel. Mm-hmm. So, um, But, you know, that said, the regulations always also give the uh, Attorney General a wide berth to design other... Um, appropriate protections around an investigation. And I think that's two things. I think, number one, he's trying to make it difficult for the incoming Biden administration to close the investigation down, which, of course, tells us there's no way this thing is going to be wrapped up before January 20th. But I think the other thing that isn't appreciated enough is he's probably doing both Biden and the incoming attorney general, whoever that will be, a favor. Because he kind of takes, you know, Biden has said he wants to unite the country. Now, he's not going to be able to do that if um, the first thing he does is, is fire Durham, which right. is going to infuriate half the country. Right. So, um, and, and also Biden knows because of what Barr has said, including that Biden's not a subject of the investigation, he doesn't have anything to worry about by letting this investigation go on. It's really trained on you know, the FBI and other investigators and lying to the FISA court and that kind of yeah. stuff. Yeah. Uh, and Biden is going to appoint an attorney general who, under the rules, the special counsel or even Durham, whether whether he was a special counsel or not, would be reporting to. Yeah. So Biden is protected. And in the meantime, the attorney general, if, if the attorney general, the incoming one, just takes the position that Barr has... Uh, has already, you know, set this thing up, he or she will be spared the kind of stuff that Janet Reno went through when it looked like she should have appointed an independent counsel and she got a lot of flack for not yep. doing it, and yep. that became a big issue. Yep. So I think all in all, Barr is actually helping them and protecting the investigation. Well, I was at uh, dinner last night, and people were asking me a bunch of questions, which is when I emailed you and i said i think i put it in all caps i need you (laughs) (laughs) and you said delighted and it is always a delight talking and catching up with you so thanks andy andrew c mccarthy thanks for joining us and uh clarifying some of this for us you're really great and you're a good good and dear friend and wish you a very and your family a very merry christmas and same to you and your thank you thank you andy mccarthy much appreciated six zero two five zero eight zero nine six zero we'll be right back Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show, 602-508-0960, your show here on out, anything on your mind. And Michael, who was so patient yesterday and didn't get on, I owe a big apology to. Michael, thank you for your patience and, 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 and forbearance, and welcome. Oh, well, thank you, Seth, and no apology necessary at all. I enjoy your show immensely, and, and whenever you have Mr. McCarthy on, uh, he's he's smartest guy i've ever heard i I gotta tell you you know in and out thick and thin i have known him for 20 years i 
I, we may have been the first person to put. I may have been responsible for being the first person to put him on radio. It was back during the nine eleven commission hearings when we were looking for someone who knew something about um, about a, a weird Department of Justice thing. You may remember there was this issue of the wall where the FBI and CIA weren't talking to one another. Yeah. And uh, I called a friend. I said, who knows anything about it? He said, well, there's this guy named Andrew McCarthy who wrote an article about this five years ago. I called him. He was on vacation somewhere in the Berkshires or something. We became friends, and we had him on the radio, and his career took off from there. So I take all the credit for wow. him. Yeah, there you go. But he's a there smarty. He's a smarty. Yeah. 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 No, I'm a very smart guy. So anyway – um, you had uh, asked me to call in because of an email I sent Yes, you. yes. Summarize it. Uh, tell the audience what was on your mind. Well, um, first, just a little background. I used to be a very positive kind of guy about everything and the process and as it's going on. And I've, uh, you know, I, I hate to admit it, but I'm I'm becoming more and more of a cynic every every day. Sure. That I see things happening in, in our country, and 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 I see stuff happening on both sides of the aisle, the Republicans and the Democrats. And, and my email basically said that we're, we're getting, you know, a, a, a lot of crap from both sides and, and that this is just, you know, it, it's not what I signed up for when yeah. I became a Republican yeah. in 1980 uh-huh. because of Reagan. Right. Right. Okay. Yep. And, and, and 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 it, my cynicism started in in both campaigns of, of 2008 and 2012. Okay, I don't I don't I don't I was very disappointed in McCain's campaign. Yep, I didn't see him running a campaign to win. I mean, he's firing people for using uh, Obama's middle name. And, and yeah, I no, I I, I remember. That. Yeah, no, I I remember. I okay. get I get what and, you're putting down. Uh huh. And then, and then, so I was, I was feeling very bad about that. And then, uh, and, and just didn't feel that he was trying to win his campaign. And then when, when Mitt Romney ran in 2012, I mean, he was, uh, he, he was saying so many positive things about Barack Obama. I thought he was on the verge <laughs> of endorsing Obama okay. for president. Sure. And again, I didn't see him running a campaign to win. Mm-hmm. And it was in 2012 that I changed my affiliation. I, I, I left the Republican Party okay. to, to you know, I, I joined the Libertarian Party, which okay. I'm not happy with either. But I, I couldn't see myself remaining a Republican anymore because the the Reaganite Republicans are gone. Okay. I don't see them anywhere. And by, by the way, let, let me ask you this, Michael. Uh, so what did you do in 2016? In 2016, I came back to the Republican Party, not not on paper, but I, I voted for, for Donald Trump okay. because I, I saw him and listened to him, and he was saying all the right things again. He yeah. was... He was talking about conservatism. He was talking about. I think your story uh, is similar to a lot. I think a lot of people share the trajectory that you you expressed. Brought in by Reagan, disappointed by Bush's, McCain's, Romney's, came back for Trump. A lot of. I think you're not alone in that, Michael. Anyway, yeah. I, go ahead. Go ahead. And 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 if Trump starts a third party, a Trump party or a MAGA party, I'm joining. I'll, I'll be part of it. 
I will be part of a third party if Trump is the leader of it. Do you see um, do you see other Republicans right now in public office who follow in the line of Reagan and Trump that you like that that do speak? For you know him? what? I, I thought I did. Okay. I thought I did. I, I was uh, I was behind Marco Rubio, but he's he's saying, you know, let's move forward and, and, and put Biden in. as. What about as someone president. like Tom Cotton or Christy Noem? OK, I like them. Okay. I, I do. Let me do this. Uh, Let me do I, this. I got to take a hard break, but we're not done, and I owe you time anyway. Can you just hold, and we'll come back on the other absolutely. side? That'd be sure. great. I think you're speaking for a lot of listeners, and others can join too. Six zero two five zero eight zero nine six zero. We'll be right back. Every single day, I take it. It's balance of nature. One daily dose gives me tens of thousands of vital nutrients from 100% whole food plants. It's the most effective whole food supplement on the market. All kinds of good stuff from blueberries and oranges to carrots and broccoli. Gives you energy. It improves your health. It boosts your immunity, something you really want this time of year. It's the only thing I take, and it's my favorite thing I've ever endorsed. Right now, Balance of Nature is offering free shipping and 35% off any new preferred order of their fruits and veggies. So give them a call at 800-246-8751. Or go to balanceofnature.com. Make sure to use discount code BALANCE. We're talking with Michael in Phoenix about uh, sets and upsets with the Republican Party. Um, right, Michael? So I was just saying yeah. um, before the break, there are, are there some Republicans you look to and say they still have your confidence or they look like they're holding up the pillars of the party that you once or first affiliated with? Maybe a Christy Noam, maybe a Tom Cotton, someone like that? And both both that you named are, 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 are there where, where others that I thought were there aren't. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Ted Cruz? I'm I'm on I'm, I I was Maybe. a strong supporter of his, but now I'm on the fence with him. Maybe, yeah, okay, um, and others, uh, perhaps Andy Biggs. I would I would certainly think Andy. I Biggs. like Andy yeah. Biggs a yeah. lot. Yeah, yeah, okay. So I don't but, know. I don't know what um, what will happen come January, and I don't know obviously if Biden does become the president, what Donald Trump's plans are whether he plans to run again, whether he plans to start a massive new media venture, whether he plans to just retire into the sunset, I think that's the least likely, or whether he plans to start a new party. We were talking yesterday about, you know, he once was involved with the Reform Party and left it over, of all things, David Duke, something no one in the media seems to remember. I, I know, and, and I, I see that all the time, and yeah. I meet people who still yeah. insist <laughs> that President yeah. Trump has never said right. anything yeah. against racism. Right. Only, only, like only more than anyone else who's ever run yeah. for president, probably. Um, <laughs> right, that. Well, I don't know. I mean, uh, uh, so, I, you know, I'm open to it. I, I have, I asked attendant to this question about what, you know, that party would look like or could look like, um, you know, what does Trumpism mean? And um, I, I think most of us have an idea of what it means. Um, and I have a listener, Charles, who just wrote in during the break. Um, 
Trumpism is actually an adherence to the original foundation of the Republican Party, which is now considered radical as the establishment Republicans move closer to establishment Democrats who have their fight with the socialist progressive wing. And, and that's that's what and my email was mm-hmm. was like that when I told you yeah. that the Republican Party today and the Democrats are just the opposite slices of bread on a big you know what sandwich so what's interesting to me about all that in the context of history and in your citing ronald reagan as the uh, reason you became a republican i liked how you put it um something we have to understand i I think appreciate a little bit is that goldwater in 64 as reagan in 76 and 1980 were um were aberrations to the republican party they, they were, were not the norm, I, um, right? I mean, they had to fight tooth and nail the establishment. You'll recall Reagan in '76, of course, fought and you know ran against an incumbent Republican president, Jerry Ford, in the yeah. primary. I, he was; these guys were never really the establishment. Um, you hope that once one wins the presidency, like Reagan did, that that becomes the new establishment. It never really did, and you know. Far be it for me to to find fault with a great president, but no one's perfect. And one of the faults people who love Reagan as much as I do or more will say is he the one thing he didn't accomplish was solidifying his his movement to carry on after him. And that I see Trump doing that, though, I see Trump. See that that I think I was just you just picked up where I was going with that. It seems different today, doesn't it? It seems yeah. different. And one of the reasons it seems different, because it, it kind of puts me at odds a little bit with what my friend Charles wrote, a little bit, because we've heard so much about how Trump has changed the Republican Party. Um, I, he, has, he has. He has changed the Republican Party. Maybe not at the level of 40 U.S. senators, maybe at the level of 10, maybe at the level of five. Yeah, but yeah. No, the Freedom I, Caucus, the, to be sure, um, these new Republicans that have been elected um, to Congress uh, are fantastic. It looks like they're they're Trump babies, and, and, the way the, the way Vin Weber and Newt Gingrich were Reagan babies. You know, new, the new minority senators, yeah, uh, fantastic minorities yeah. that yeah. are coming in. The yeah, those are Trump creations. Senators, yeah, yeah, yeah. They are. Yeah, they are. He is. He is changing it, but the establishment Republicans will never change. They're waiting for him to leave so that they can go back to business as usual. Well, here's what one hopes for. What one hopes for is a Republican or at least a voting a voting public that tends to be conservative, not giving them their votes and nominating the people that follow in the lines of these new Republican congressmen and women um, and and who are not afraid to say – Things like Trump showed us what it means to fight. You know, Trump showed us what it means to punch back. Yeah. Trumpism is more than a temperament. The notion of proudly and strongly saying America first, who thought that would be controversial? It was turned out to be. And and that's what's amazing. How can saying America first is controversial? Because we live in a world now that changed on us. And that world that changed on us is a world where not standing for the national anthem at a sporting event is more patriotic than standing. 
that that's the new world we live in. The, the, well, right? That but, that changed on us. And we see the massive backlash right. of that also. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. My well, parting thought is this, and we can continue the dialogue, Michael, as I know others will want to as well, is don't give up hope because occasionally we get surprising blessings. Goldwater's Reagan's Trump's. Goldwater didn't make it. Reagan did. They have in the Republican Party, Lincoln in the Republican Party, they have always been the aberrations. The task and the trick is to make the aberration the common, the normal, the average, the new center. Yeah. And well, with, with Lincoln, he 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 the Republican Party maintained itself. Yes. With Lincoln. Yes. Yes. And and yes. if we have a, a MAGA party or something like that, I see it holding on. I and do too. We will have. I do too. We will have a three-party system, which is long overdue. We will either have a three-party system or a better two-party system. I'm not sure go. which yet, but because yeah. of Trump, no, that, one of those I two agree. things will likely eventuate. Michael, bless you. Thank Excuse you, me. sir. Thank you. You bet. Six zero two five zero eight zero nine six zero. Be right back. For all your real estate interests, whether selling or buying, I want you to call my friend James Wexler of JMG Real Estate. James Wexler is ranked the number one selling individual agent in Arizona via his proprietary and state-of-the-art marketing technology. He has customers' homes viewed by the widest pool of qualified buyers. He can also share a private database of homes that will soon be going on the market James Wexler guarantees to sell your home at market value if you're in the selling position or he'll pay you the difference. He can also make you an upfront guaranteed offer. James Wexler is the best. Give him a call at 480-386-0711 or visit him at jameswexler.com. That's James Wexler, W-E-X-L-E-R.com. Mike's in Carefree. Hi, Mike. Hi, Seth. How are you? I'm well, sir. How are you? I'm good. I love your show. Thanks. Once before. You're too nice a guy, though, because you are... <laughs> I could, I could not, introduce uh, you to some folks that I'd, I'd need, I, I would like you to say that to. <laughs> you, you are too nice a guy. Oh. Let me tell you why. Okay. I love your conversation with Michael. My wife and I are listening. The distinction is between globalist and nationalist. Yes. The old yes. Republican-Democrat yes. distinction doesn't exist anymore because... The Democrats and the Republican, mainstream Republicans, are all the same. And the proof of that, and this is why you're too nice of a guy, the proof of that is every Republican politician should be screaming bloody murder about the fraud that's taken place in this election. Mm-hmm. Whether or not it's enough to tip any particular state or not, it's massive fraud on a scale I've never seen in my 64 years. And um, everybody, even A.G. Barr yesterday, should have said, we are prosecuting everybody to the fullest extent of the law. And I haven't heard anybody say that. So I'll leave it at that. No, I, I understand the point. I, 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 I think it's two, actually. Is it not two points? One is, one is the globalism versus uh, sovereignty, really. I mean, I think, I think sovereignty is what it's about. Uh, you, you put it as nationalism. I, I'm fine with that word, too. Um, but, but protecting America and putting America first really means putting Americans first. What is America but our people, I think. 
um, and and our and our philosophy, our public philosophy and interests, putting Americans first. That went by the wayside for many, many, many years. You're absolutely right in making that point, Mike. And Donald Trump spoke to it and uh, served to it. And whether it had to do with protecting borders or whether it had to do with trade deals or whether it had to do with outsourcing so much to China. You're absolutely right about that. Um, the I, I think that changed a lot of the Republican Party. I think a lot more people gelled to it than a lot of the mainstream Republicans thought would. And I think a lot of them have come that way. Maybe not all and maybe not most. I, I can't tell. But a lot more now speak that way than ever did before. And, you know, to the degree you can change a party, that's power. Aristotle said power is the ability to be and make things be. He made things be. We'll be back in a moment. <laughs> 